Let's rock this joint! And we say goodbye, 80s. Hello, 90s. Destination, Planet Hollywood. How do you fly? Tamagotchi, the original virtual reality online network called Internet. Diana Princess of Wales. Simpson surrendered to police just a few minutes ago. Mind over matter, taking all our weaknesses and making it to our strengths. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Real Talk, a movie podcast. We are your go-to source for ratings and recommendations of past and present films. I am your host, Wes Jones, podcasting from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Hey, this is Tommy, podcasting straight from Nashville, Tennessee. The Movie Buddy Conway, podcasting from Bowling Green, Kentucky. What's up, Real Talk community? Thank you so much for downloading this episode. We've got a really fun and special episode ahead for you, but of course, we couldn't do it without you all, so we just want to say thank you so much. Now, first off, no, this is not Wes Jones with the Scream voice modulator. This is Tommy Wood coming straight from Nashville, Tennessee. So we're changing up the host tonight because we have a change up the episode also. This is a new type of episode that we haven't done before, and we think you're really going to enjoy it. So first off, the Olympics have been going on for the past couple weeks. You know, you've got athletes in the prime of their lives, peak physical condition, peak mental condition. And what did we think at Real Talk? We also wanted to get into this type of event. We're also at the peak of our physical prowess peak of our mental prowess so we thought you know if they can do it so can we so what are we doing to get into the olympic spirit we're going to do a first of its kind unprecedented i don't think anybody's ever done this before so we need to copyright this wes and gabe a fantasy type movie draft and so we're going to get into the rules and specifics in a little bit but just a little heads up on this we're going to do a fantasy football style movie draft from the 1990s. And so each of our hosts are going to pick six movies that we love as our team. And then we're actually going to put our teams up for a vote for you all, the fans, to tell us who do you think won. So we want you to vote on the best team, the worst team. You know, who are the picks that we left out? Who are the picks that you love? Of course, you're going to do that through our Twitter pages, our Facebook groups, and we're going to tell you how to do all of that later throughout the program. So without further ado, let me bring in our co-hosts for the night. Of course, once again, the Olympics are going on, and I want to see Wes, come on in here, man. How have you been preparing for this, I mean, just amazing event we're going to get into? 
Well, I haven't been really been preparing much at all, and I have one issue with what you told the audience. You know, you said that we are in our prime physical condition, just like the Olympians, and I can tell you one thing. That's not me. I've been sitting all day, and I'm tired from sitting all day. So I'm already looking forward to the podcast ending so I can go to bed, and I'm also dreading sitting all day tomorrow. So I'm just not in physical oh. condition. Oh, dang. Okay, wait. All right. Well, Wes is not. Okay, all right. So Wes is not. That's an advantage that I could use then against him. Let's bring in Gabe. Gabe, I know you're at the peak physical and mental condition for this event. Yes. In 1996, as you guys know, I was in the Olympics in Oslo, and I got the bronze medal in curling. And, you know, so that's a little fact you guys didn't know about me. I was an Olympic curler, bronze medalist. So I've been preparing for this my whole life. And when it came to getting getting ready, I mean, I was working out again. I was pushing like objects across surfaces again. And then I started studying movies. So like I am boom. I mean, nice. fantasy football is coming up. I, I've been drafting. I've been doing it all, Tommy. <clears throat> wow, Gabe, that is one thing I never knew about you, that you're an Olympic medalist how have you been keeping this from all of us for all these times it's not something you wanted to you know uh, brag about well i mean i have that you know that swiss look you know i'm blonde haired blue eyed so i just you know you guys just didn't know that about me i don't i don't advertise it you don't advertise your gold um, medals that's cocky it's just like when i win this competition i'm not going to advertise it because i mean oh. that that just be you know kind of cocky in my opinion so what year did you say that you were curling uh, that's not important. Legit. Did you say? I think I thought you said '96, which and that I, would make you 12. And then I think the Summer Olympics in '96 was in Atlanta. I, I was a curler. That would be winter. It was Oz. Yeah, but I just said Oslo. I, it, it's not schematics. I don't remember years, dates, things <laughs> like that. He doesn't get into details. You know those important the, times when he won Olympic medals and traveled him. and trained. Details aren't important. It just happened, guys. It just believe it. It happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, I think we're all ready then. Um, obviously, I'm in peak physical condition. I spend 24-7 sitting in my chair or on my couch looking at a computer or looking at a TV. So I don't know how I could be in any better shape, honestly. No, I, mean, really. um, I haven't probably done exercise in at least 10 years. But, you know. <laughs> The good thing is, that's not what this is about. This is about movies. And there's one thing we know, guys, it's movies, I think, right? <laughs> Hopefully, we are a movie podcast. We know them until somebody that actually is involved with movies comes on our show and then blows us away. But other than that, between us three okay. right now, we know movies. That's true, exactly. So let's go ahead and just jump into talking about the 1990s, because that's really the decade we're going to be focused on. And we wanted to talk about this decade because it's it's between us three. I think it's probably, you could say, our at least one of our favorite movie decades ever. And since this is a new type of episode we're doing, we want to jump right in and do one of the best movie decades. So I want to talk a little bit about this decade first. And the first question I have for you all, bear with me here. I'm going to lay this out real quick. Is So the 1970s gets a lot of publicity for being the greatest decade ever. But what if it's not? So let me lay this argument out. What if you combine the greatness of the 1970s, which it truly is. It has some of the most uh, interesting dramas, innovative. You know, you had the new Hollywood movement, all of that. But here's the thing about the 1970s. It's a little dark, a little depressing, not that fun, not that much fun. 
But then you got the 1980s that comes along that's a lot of fun. Blockbusters galore. Tons of We just did an episode about it. But there's not as many as great movies. So what if you have a decade that combined both of the best of those decades, the 70s and the 80s, into one decade? You have the greatness of the dramas, uh, greatness of the independent movement, plus the blockbusters, plus the studio, mid-sized drama is still there, and you get the 1990s. So for my money, you could argue the 1990s is the best movie decade, at least of our lifetime. Um, and I think over the 1970s, you could make that argument. So I just want to throw it out to you all. What do you all think of that argument um, and any pushback from that? I, I'm going to go ahead and start with I completely agree. And a couple things were happening at this time to make that possible. You know, what made music big is people could have CDs and, and tapes and records. At this time, it was the time of the cassette tape. And people could actually have this media at their houses. So I think it created a situation to where the 90s pumped everything into film because it was so attractive to everybody. You could get the movie sales, then you could get the tape sales right after you got the movie sales. And so there was there was tons of money into it. So everybody was jumping into it. So you're right. You know, in the 70s, it wasn't fun. In the 80s, it was fun. But in the 90s, it was like, you know, we got to get back to some serious movies because so you got great dramas. You got you got great movies. You got great low budget movies. You got because everybody's involved in the arena and it wasn't like that always. And I think that that's a big thing. Exactly, Gabe. And the one thing I didn't mention a whole lot was the independent movement of the 90s. That's what really kind of brought the greatness of the 90s out. You had the tours of that indie movement, the Tarantinos, the Sodenbergs, all of those guys, plus the big blockbusters that we love. So I really think you could look at the 70s and 80s as kind of a combination for the 90s. So Wes, what are your thoughts on that? It's an interesting argument. Those would be my two picks for the best decades of movies is the 70s and the 90s. One thing that I would maybe caution about with the 90s is they were obviously making a lot more movies at this particular time than they were in the 70s. So there was a whole lot more uh, available movies coming out. Direct to video, like you said, the independent movement. If you're looking at it as a quantity over quality, the 90s definitely has that. I think the 70s probably has, if we go to the very top of all the movies and you look at the 70s and you look at the 90s, I think the majority of people that are like cinephiles that are really in the film are going to say the upper echelon is just better in the 70s. But overall, you you probably have a lot more quality films in the 90s than you do in the 70s. I would definitely give like horror, for example, I'm definitely going to give that to the 70s. Action films, there's a lot of great action films in the 90s. So I think you could kind of go back and forth and looking at it that way. Obviously, with the blockbusters, there were, I was going to say, maybe the best blockbusters we've ever had were in the in the 90s, but maybe that was the 80s. But either way, you definitely have more of those big, fun films that the 70s did not have. So I don't know. That That is, that's a kind of a tough one to throw up. Like West. just on the spot like that and, and, and talk about. 
this is why you got to be in that peak mental condition, Wes. I see some some holes here. I could poke for Wes during this draft. Real quick, <laughs> just about your argument there. It's a good argument. I like what you're going with because I think the 70s does have the top-level movies are are that great. But the 90s has more overall. Like So the, the peak-level 70s are probably better, but 90s overall probably has more Good movies, I guess you can say. Gabe, what were you gonna say? Sorry, to I try to I try to be not impartial too, guys, because I it's our decade. It's our decade. We were growing up. I, it's t- everybody says their decade was the best decade ever, and I'm trying to avoid that. But but it's when this media exploded. And Wes, to ar- make your make an argument to what you're saying is, I want to be able to watch Godfather and then go watch some freaking Matrix and watch Neo dodging bullets. You couldn't do that back then. I mean, yeah, I can see what you're saying about the top echelon are fantastic. But, man, I want to go watch Bill Murray appear at the same day over and over again and then a dinosaur eat a dude on a toilet. Like, you can do that in the 90s. You can't do that in the 70s. No, you can't. And that's because, you know, the (laughs) 70s, just the decade itself was kind of miserable. I mean, disco was popular. That's all you got to say. And so... (laughs) I mean, I think the movies transferred that. So you, you, it's not as fun. The 90s was fun. Things were great. You know, you got Bill Clinton in the White House. You've got, you know, all sorts of crazy things going on. So you've got, I think, all that translate. you got the economy roaring. No, you know, no wars. The one war we fought, we destroyed. You know, it's all those things that transfers to the movies. And I think that's another reason why the, the decade is so much fun. So yeah. I think that's a really great thing to think about as we get into the draft. What do you love about 1990s film? I think that in the 90s, because there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of really, truly serious things going on in the world. I think filmmakers at this particular time could just be free, like you said, with the independent uh, movies going. And I think we got a lot of really organic stories like Independence Day, for example, that was based on nothing. That was just that was right off the the director's head, you know, and, and Twister and and stuff like that 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 we had. Speed, though, those really fun movies. So I think that was it. I think just the, of course, I was a kid at that time, you know, growing up, like Gabe said, and that's just the feeling that I got. I, I feel like in the seventies, for example, there's a lot more serious really serious stuff going on at that particular time. And of course the, the movies reflected that. And so again, in the nineties, because it wasn't so serious things, everybody was just kind of relaxed and having fun and free nowadays, like can't put out certain stuff because we're worried about offending somebody or we can't just make a, a movie about family that is, with their beliefs and and views of the world, you, you know, you have to have somebody from every thought, every sex, every sexual orientation. It's like you got to have all that in every single movie. Now, it can't just be just like a an organic story, I guess. So that's what I like about the about the '90s. It just I feel like there's just a lot of freedom in the uh, in the movies that were made. Yeah, it's not, you know, it almost feels like today everybody's overthinking everything. And I think you could make that argument mm-hmm. about everything. Everything in culture, people overthink it. Social media does has a lot of impact upon that. And I think the 90s, that was right before social media and the internet blew up. And so, like you're saying, Wes, there was more freedom because people weren't as concerned about 
getting in trouble, I guess you could say, or as they say, getting canceled. Um, and people had the more freedom to be more original and to take more risks. I think that's one thing that I've noticed in Hollywood and, and just in cinema in general is there's not a lot of risks being taken anymore with the movies. And 90s almost had that last decade of being able to take those risks because that's what you got to have to have truly great movies. Ultimately, is filmmakers willing to go on that ledge. So, yeah, that's a great point. Gabe, what about you? When you think back to the 90s, what do you love about the movies? I'll I'll uh, key off of what you said. Not only that, but they don't make new movies anymore. You know, they they take the same formulas and they don't make new movies. And me and Tommy have talked about that. But man, if I'm talking about the '90s, Tommy T Man, I'm talking about the theater experience. They freaking capitalized on the theater experience. They were like, "All right, we got all these people going out to theaters. Like, let's make it big. Let's make it loud. Let's make it cool. Even the funny movies. Even the yeah. big. Let's Batman make let's forever." Put, like even if you take a movie like Reservoir Dogs, so let's let's take a movie like Reservoir Dogs. We got we got fighting action in Reservoir Dogs because it's gonna be on the big screen. They capitalize on the big screen, so that's thing number one. Thing number two that was awesome about the '90s is you bring in great directors in their prime. You've got Spielberg in his prime. You got, I mean, you've got Tarantino. so many Tarantino. Yeah. You've got uh, my man Timmy B. You've got so many good directors in their prime. The other thing that but harkens back to the 90s for me is after you get that great experience, then there's the video store experience. There's the advertising, all the advertising going off, the posters and everything that was coming up in the 90s. And you got that home video store experience. It's yeah, it's the greatest. That's a good point, Gabe. The video yeah, store experience was was one of a kind and something that I think a lot of people, especially our generation and older, truly miss. And I think for me, it, it, it goes to both of what you all are saying. It's all of that. I miss all of that. And I think just a different type of way to look at, I think one thing that I really miss from the nineties is just the studio original film. The, you know, a lot of people call it like the mid size budget original, you know, look at the nineties and there were so many just one off original, maybe high concept star led films that we love that were just so much fun. They didn't have to have an interconnected world. They didn't have to have five sequels afterwards. I mean, look at a movie like the fugitive with Harrison Ford, even though it was based on a TV show going in, it was just a, you know, a big, a big budget studio drama that was not expected to have tons of sequels. And it was amazing. You know, that's just one. Look at Jerry Maguire with Tom Cruise, that type of movie. We just don't get that anymore. And looking back at the 90s, oh, it just makes me wish that we had those type of films again. My last question for you all around this decade is, so looking for to the 90s to looking at this past decade. So originally our draft was going to be the 2010s to lead off with the most recent. And we looked at it. And we realized this past decade has been really bad for great cinema. Movies that we love. There's been good movies, of course. But movies that we truly love, it's been lacking. So I want to ask you all, what happened from the 90s to today? I can't even explain it. It's almost too heart disheartening to look at. How did we get from there to here? Is there any way back? When you narrow the guardrails that you can operate in, it really kills creativeness and i really think that that's that's what we've just done as a as a culture and look not all of the things in the movies that they put out in the 90s were really appropriate in the way that people should be portrayed and people should be treated like i get that 
we talked on our erotic thriller episode, you know, with basic instinct and stuff like that. There were some things that were done that that weren't cool. That was it was not good. But I think we've overcorrected all of the stuff. And again, as you're narrowing the guardrails of what you're able to operate in and how creative you can be, then everything just starts to feel really manufactured and everything just starts to feel the same. I think that is what's happened. We've just seen it slowly head that way. And I mean, we're, we're handcuffing our artists. Yeah, I I think uh, that's a good point. What, What do you think? Any other thoughts on that? I think there's just been a division amongst the good movie makers and the big movie makers. There's like, you're the, either the end person in Hollywood and you're making these big movies or you're the indie person and you're making good movies. I mean, let's take this like last year, look at the movies like Nomadland that won best picture. That's an indie movie to the indie movie extreme. Now I love that film. So I don't like agree with what Tommy's saying fully, but I can see why not everybody would love that film and in the 90s, the movies that were winning Best Pictures were movies that everybody loved. So there's almost been like a separation. You had your big your big blockbusters, and now you have your little indie companies that are winning like Best Picture year after year. So it's like there's no middle anymore. Right. You're, well, and, and I think that that's been like really the bigger downfall because we don't have those middle people making great movies. Exactly. That, are, that have the big budgets that are yeah, like are both right. in the 90s. The middle ground has been totally lost, and I think that the 90s is really what was so great about that, is that was like the last great decade for that type of movie, the studio mid-budget film. And then the last thing is, you know, I think corporations have just seen how much profits they can make from these huge blockbusters, and they've said, you know what, let's just go all in on that. And you know what makes the most money? Are superhero movies and movies that can cross um, publicized to all different cultures, all or different project. countries that it, it can be, you know, it's not super complex. Not that other countries can't understand complex movies is that the language, there's always a language barrier. There's always cultural barriers. And when you make a movie that's more watered down, more generalized, it can sell easier to everybody, if that makes sense. And I think that's another thing that's happened is the studios have just gone after the Holy grail of, the billion dollar blockbuster. So, all right, guys, well, that was a great conversation around the decade itself. So now let's just get into the draft. I know that's what everybody's been waiting for. Uh, so let's talk about the rules of this movie draft of the 1990s. So it's going to be structured very similar to, let's say, a fantasy football draft, if you ever played that, where we're going to have six categories, and we'll talk about what they are right now. They are drama, musical, blockbuster where you have to have at least a hundred million plus domestic gross comedy we'll have action slash crime slash neo-noir all kind of combined into one horror sci-fi and thriller all combined into one and then finally wild card which can be any of those from the other categories and so we are actually picking movies to fill a slot for each of those for our team of the 1990s so we're each going to have six picks and we're going to go in a snake draft type of format where we'll decide who gets the first pick they pick a movie then the second pick and then the third pick and then that third pick person picks again so they'll pick right after at number four 
and then five, and then six would be the number two and number one. And we'll just quit flip-flopping the order just like that until each person has the their full team laid out, so six picks. And then that will be the order and the draft that we'll give to the audience for them to decide who actually won the draft. Whosoever list you like the best, that's who you vote for. And for everyone who votes, they're going to be entered in for a drawing for a 90s movie pack. Oh, heck yeah. Can I vote? You can vote. Yes. Sweet. No, wait a minute. You can't yeah. vote. Oh, wait, all right. <laughs> oh, dang it. And so real quick, let me run. Let me grab this real quick. So let me run down for the audience. We'll build a little bit of uh, so anticipation this, this is going of what to this past. 90s movie pack is going to be. So here's what we got. You're going to get a copy of Pulp Fiction, Edward Scissorhands, oh, Apollo man. 13. Holy cow. You're going to get Blu-rays of L.A. Confidential. No. Seven. Can't and the out. Frank Darabont collection, unopened. It's got the Green Mile, the Shawshank Redemption, and the Majestic. So that's nice. the 90s movie pack. So one lucky person who vote, And all you have to do to enter is just vote. Yeah, just vote on our Facebook group or our Twitter page, and we'll give those out at the end, where we just want you to tell us, who do you think won? Is it my team? Is it Wes's team? Or is it Gabe's team? And like Gabe said, it's just what your favorite you know, draft is. Of those six that we each have, what do you like the best? And tell us also in your comments, what movies did we leave out? What are the picks that you hated? You know, We want all that type of feedback, and that's what we love, all that fan interaction. And dang, Wes, that is one hell of a pack right there. I, I cannot wait to vote again and again and again <laughs> to get that. Yeah, so let's get into it. I think the final thing we need to do is the draft. Uh, order. So Wes, you've got a little thing for us, right? I've just went to randomresults.com, which is basically just a draft pick randomizer. So I've got Gabe's name in there, teammate's name, my name in there. So I'm going to hold the, the, the phone up to the camera so they can see I'm not cheating. And then I'm going to hit the little draw now. Ah, we've got ah, team man at one, Gabe Whoa. at two, Wes at three. Okay. And All so right. I think what, what we decided is that, T-Man, you get to pick your place, like where you want to draft, right? I think that's what we're going to do. So I'll, I'll have my, my options of what I want. And this is really tough because I don't know what I want, honestly. Because <laughs> I think I either want one or three. I think I'm going to go with three. Okay. So right. that means I'll get picked third. So, Gabe, what do you want? All right, I'm going to go ahead and go with one. All right. So I guess I got two. All right, so we're set, guys. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll start the draft. In the year 2089, Earth had experienced a rapid shift in political and technological developments. Reported sightings of UFOs and alleged human abductions had reached such an alarming rate that governments decided to remove national boundaries and unite as one planet under one leader. The new government... The United Nations of Earth made space exploration and the defense of the planet its top priority. Hey, Real Talk listeners, that awesome premise I just read is from a new book series called Shadowed Stars. We've been talking with the author Stephen Couch, and he's got us so excited about this epic sci-fi book series offered through Page Publishing. 
We're all about stories on this podcast, and although we're usually discussing stories in the form of films, we knew our audience would appreciate and want to hear more about Shadowed Stars. Stephen has eight books planned in the series, with more unnumbered ones to follow. Stephen is doing something really interesting with a number of his books. The odd numbers books are going to cover one line of characters in the series, and the even numbered will follow another line with some cameos and crossover. He's creating this unique world where you, the reader, get to explore all aspects of it. One thing to note is this series is intended for a mature audience as it covers mature themes, which is honestly a breath of fresh air in this sci-fi fantasy realm. Book one, titled Shadowed Stars, is out now, available in paperback and ebook, and can be ordered through any bookstore or online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Google Play, and iTunes. I looked earlier today and Amazon is selling it for the great price of $9.18. Audience, you don't have to wait too long for the saga to continue. Book 2, titled Shadowed Stars, The Reign of the Black Guard, will be released the middle of this month. For more information on Shadowed Stars and the author Stephen Couts, visit ShadowedStarsBooks.com. You can also join our Facebook group, Real Talk, a movie podcast, where we will have more information. All right, so we're back at it. Now we are set. All right, guys, I know this is the time we've all been waiting for. We've got all of our, all of the effort we've put into this. I know half of us are on steroids at this point to really just make it through this <laughs> draft. So, Gabe, you're the first pick. What are you going with? This is the easiest pick I've ever done in my life. And all day, I'm going to be honest, Tommy, I developed pivots for everything, but there was no pivot from this. I woke up this morning and prayed that this happened, and I got pick number one. So I'm going with the movie that epitomizes the 90s the most, Jurassic Park. I remember as a kid going to see this film. It changed me. I fell in love with movies. I fell in love with Steven Spielberg. I loved dinosaurs at the time. I was young enough to this was the first pg-13 movie i ever saw i think it was pg-13 my parents were nervous about taking me but i was so glad they did i I remembered that whole day and i can seldomly remember you know whole days it has everything it has it has people getting eaten by t-rex on toilets it's got wonderful like wonderful lines like but when the pirates of the caribbean break down the pirates don't eat the tourists you've got shirtless um you've got shirtless characters what's his name what's the shirtless character Jeff Goldblum. You got shirtless Jeff Goldblum. I don't know why I can't think of words. That's why they call me Buddy, by the way. I mean, you've got dinosaurs. Dave's so excited he could not even think about his favorite movie ever. (laughs) I couldn't even think about my favorite movie ever. Um, It's got dino jokes. It's got it all. Man, Jurassic Park is great. And shameless plug, I did an alternate ending Jurassic Park where they basically, the movie was about over and they were getting on the helicopter to leave. And John was like, well, that's our tour. And uh, what would you guys think? And I, I really love that alternate ending. I hope Steven makes that into something because, I mean, it would just be hilarious. I think he, the, like the other people would react like, well, I, John, I mean, like a lot of people just died. Your park's ruined. Like your niece and nephew just almost got eaten by dinosaurs. Are you a lunatic? How are you going to do that every time? Like, I just would love to see the reactions. But this is my favorite. And I'm very glad to have this with pick number one. Yeah, Gabe, I think, I mean, in my mind, Jurassic Park would have been the number one pick also. So I'm starting to really regret giving up that number one pick now. So that was a good good pick there. 
I, I knew that Gabe was going to pick this if he got number one. Like I, I, I didn't know for <laughs> sure, T-Man, if what you were going to pick, but I knew Gabe was going to pick this. Now, I will say with number two pick, if I would have got number one, I wasn't going to pick Jurassic Park. I no, know. I thought about it. I have another oh, movie. Okay. That I West think wanted number two. So I really am getting my number one pick and giving oh. up a little bit of draft equity. But real quick, Gabe, I'll, I'll keep up with everybody's picks and where they go. So in what category are we sliding Jurassic Park in for you? Blockbuster. So, all right. So Gabe's got his pick off the board. So I think we're up to West now. We're up to me. And uh, for the number two pick in the draft, first on my team, I'm going to take the 1990 film Goodfellas, which would have been my number one pick. Oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah, I'm going to go Goodfellas. And again, we're trying to pick what uh, the best list that we think the audience is going to say. This is the best collection of movies. And so I think there's a, a very easy case to be made that this is the best film of the 90s, is Goodfellas. You've got Martin Scorsese. Um, directing probably his masterpiece, although he's had a bunch of of really great, uh, great films. Some people say, whoa, whoa, whoa Taxi Driver is better. But anyway, I think Goodfellas is def- definitely up there. You have a great cast, iconic performance by Joe Pesci. He's definitely, in my opinion, the best character in the movie. The movie is fun. It's a mob movie, which I love mob movies. And again, just for time's sake, I don't want to just keep going on and on about it, but I just feel like thinking about our audience, you can't go wrong with Jurassic Park, but you also can't go wrong with Goodfellas. Well, Wes, I got to say, you just shocked me there for a couple of reasons. I had a whole strategy with this, and you just ruined it. I'll be completely honest with you. (laughs) I went went back to number three, thinking in my head there was a sure possibility of getting Goodfellas. Because actually, that would have been, I was debating, debating on number one pick between Goodfellas and Jurassic Park. And I can't believe you picked that. Uh, great pick. I think it is the best movie of the 90s. It's, I think it holds up the best. So entertaining. Such an amazing film. Uh, fantastic Tommy, pick. real quick question. Are you in shock that he didn't pick Terminator 2? Do you think yes. he's employing a strategy on us right now? I don't know. I, can, I can't. Should I one of us pick T2 just to blow his mind? <laughs> wow. What a pick. That's what this is. You never know what's going to happen. But you're right, Wes. We're trying to create the best team out there and that's a that's a hell of a pick and just so y'all know i put goodfellas under my drama good deal okay yeah excellent pick well all right guys so i've got the next two picks and this is tricky because i've got a lot of things on the board that i want to pick i just don't know which way to go so i think what the first pick i've got to do sorry wes i've got to do t2 in the i know i've got to do it I've got to go with T2 in the action crime neo-noir category. I, love it. I really thought this would be your number. I thought this would go top two, honestly, because I think when you think of the 90s cinema, Terminator 2 is always thought of. You know, it, Whether it's number one movie, number two, number three, whatever it is, it redefined movies in a lot of ways. Not just action movies, but movies with its invention and creation of CGI characters the blockbuster elements that Arnold Schwarzenegger brings. I mean, James Cameron really kind of just revolutionized what you could do in the action genre in a lot of ways. And um, it's, a, it's a movie that we, I'm sure we'll get to one of these days. And it's a movie that I think, I think if you watch it now, it still holds up really well, honestly. 
you know, there's not a lot of movie, and you can't say that about a lot of movies, especially movies with a lot of special effects. I think the two movies that have the most special effects but still hold up the best are Terminator 2 and Jurassic Park. What do you guys think? Totally agree. Totally agree. This is this is my favorite movie of all time my personal favorite but as i've as i've been learning as seeing people's lists and picks and stuff like that i just felt like although i would rather sit down and watch terminator 2 myself than goodfellas just because it is my favorite movie of all time i still felt like goodfellas is probably the better movie in the more memorable movie than sure. terminator 2 and that's that's why i probably would have potentially picked it coming back through but uh but anyway yeah, i knew i, knew, I, knew I was gonna get long. robbed of it <laughs> it wasn't gonna be long well here let's put it this way i think we're all gonna have movies where we're like i really wish i had that movie on my list for sure so all right that's awesome well my number my next pick then i have another pick so that one's gonna be in action and this one is really tough because there are still so many great films left and i don't know which way to go I'm having some major issues here. I think I've got to go the Matrix in Blockbuster. Ah. I mean, that this is my movie of the 90s. I just love this movie so much. It's a movie that I've watched maybe some of the most I've ever seen. I mean, I still remember seeing this movie in the movie theater. And there's not many movies that are like this, I don't think, where you can still remember going to see it. And you remember what you were like before you entered the cinema. And then you were a different person when you left the cinema. And that's what the Matrix was like. Your mind was like blown. It was like, whoa, did that just happen? Did I just see that movie? And it still holds up amazingly well. It's another one of these movies like T2 and like Jurassic Park that I think somehow it doesn't age. It's, I mean, the, the special effects are great. The performances are great. The ideas are really great in it. And to me, this is just one of my favorite movies of all time. So I definitely had to go with that pick. What do you guys think? I love that pick. I'm, I remember seeing that in the movies and being so pumped that I went and saw both sequels. And those, the third one was while I was in college, and I couldn't wait. And even though those movies weren't that good, I just wanted to be back in that world because I was convinced I could dodge bullets in slow-mo. I was convinced I could do all that stuff. And... I was just so happy to relive those, but the Matrix one, I mean, we had never seen anything like that. I'm jealous of that pick, honestly. No, it's a fantastic pick. This movie is incredible. It could have went under sci-fi. It could have went under action, blockbuster, wildcard. A lot of places the Matrix uh, could have fell. Uh, one of the most thought-provoking sci-fi movies, I believe, of, of all time. Definitely most thought-provoking action movie of all time. So you can't go wrong with that pick. And, and T-Man, where would you say you wanted to, you were sticking that one? I want to stick that one in uh, in Blockbuster. All right. So we're going to put that in Blockbuster. And, um, yeah, I was really debating, debating between that and The Lost World, Jurassic Park 2, since I didn't get my <laughs> Jurassic Park movie. I was yeah, like, I knew you were. I got to get my dinosaurs in there. Where are my dinosaurs at? But I decided to go I'm, with the pick. I've never been more nervous about Wes's pick because there's something I really want. I'm afraid he's going to take it. Well, I, I'll be honest. This is not how I expected the draft to go. I really did not. Um, there is a movie that I'm just going to have to take with my second pick here in uh, round two. And I'm going to go with a movie that I've actually already talked about earlier with the giveaway. Uh, 
little Frank Darabont's The Shawshank Redemption. Yes. From 1994, uh, the movie yeah. came out with uh, with Morgan Freeman and um, oh Andy Dufresne. I can't think of his name. Tim right Robbins. Off. Tim Robbins. Why can I not think of that? Anyway, this is a great film. It's actually IMDb's number one movie of all time based on, you know, people's going in and voted. Uh, this was not a hit at the box office, so I can't stick it in Blockbuster. I've already got my other drama uh, with Goodfellas, so I'm going to have to slide this one into my wildcard spot, which I really didn't want to use it here. But I really needed to get Shawshank Redemption in in this. Um, this is a movie, I think, for pretty much everyone uh, likes this movie. Uh, yes, there is a scene in it uh, involving a shower that uh, I don't know if I would show the kids. But overall, uh, this is a great movie. One of the best of all time. Uh, is it a cult classic? I mean, again, it didn't do very well at the box office, but has just has just grown in popularity over the year. And that's my number two pick. Yeah, that's that's such a great movie, honestly. And I can see why so many people love it. And I rewatched it, you know, probably two months ago. And I hadn't seen it fully sitting down and watching it. You know, it's one of those movies that's just on TNT all the time. And you catch like 20 minutes of it. Catch like 30 minutes of it. But just sitting down and rewatching it's like, whoa, this movie is, is amazing. It's so good. And it's it has such an, an interesting story about how it came out totally bombed. And then it kind of resurrected itself within the time it was in the theater somehow. And it ended up being a pretty successful theater run because I think some critics came out and really started to support it. Nominated for Best Picture, didn't win, but then ultimately had this second life on cable. And now people just absolutely love it. And I was really wondering where Shawshank would go. And I think, Wes, you were just struggling there because there were still a lot of great picks on there. And you just knew you had to get Shawshank in there. Yep, yeah, absolutely. I, I didn't think that it would it would go to a third round, uh, but it, according to Gabe saying yes after I made the pick, maybe it would have fell to me at the third round. <laughs> it would have fallen to you. You could have you could have waited to take it. I'm going to shock you guys. It's like Wes's pick of Goodfellas, but I mean, it's really how I feel. I'm going to go with my thriller horror movie, and I'm picking Silence of the Lambs right here. Oh and, man! And and I and I'm going to tell you why. So Scream, like I'm sure you guys both thought I was going to pick Scream, and Scream is one of my all-time favorite slasher movies. I love that movie. I think it changed horror, and I love what it did for it because it's my favorite type of horror movie. But recently, we redid a podcast, and I watched Silence of the Lambs, and I've seen it probably three or four times before that, and it was the scaredest I'd ever been in a movie. That scene when it's pitch dark, and he's got the, and he can see because he's got the infrared goggles or whatever those are on, and Clarice can't like always frightened me as a kid. And I thought it, I mean, I thought it was such an intelligent film. Anthony Hopkins, I've never seen an acting performance like Anthony Hopkins in it. And I didn't know he was in it so little. It's probably my favorite horror movie, but most people don't think it's a horror movie of all time. So we'll call it a thriller, which is what, what probably most people would consider it. Um, and I have to pick it because if I'm thinking of the 90s, I'm thinking Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, it's a, it's a great pick, Gabe. And I'm surprised you pick it. I did not see that coming. And but it's the right pick because that movie is is arguably just a perfect film. You know, we did, we covered it in an episode and we talked a lot about that. And I think we all truly love that film. I mean, great acting, one of the great characters of all time in Hannibal Lecter, great direction, so many awesome things in that movie. It still holds up so well. 
it's one of those movies that just from the 90s that you could rewatch over and over again. But I got to say, Gabe, I'm starting to get a little pissed off because I think you all are trying to screw up my draft. All these movies that I had that I was ready to pick, I had this whole thing. Uh, you all are doing your best to screw it up. So that pick really uh, screwed me. So, yeah, thanks well, a lot, man. I almost went with Scream or Six Sense, but I, I, I had moved. I get, pivoted. Wes and I were talking literally before this episode saying there is no way Gabe is not going to pick Scream for horror. And you just, and you I don't know what, I don't even know what to say now. I, I literally had predicated. Pivot. I have pivot. Uh, this is not good. Yeah. Tim and Silence of the Lambs wouldn't have made it back to you. I can tell you that because that was, that was in key. <laughs> <laughs> You're ready, right? You're ready to roll on that one. That's, I, I was shocked you didn't pick it. Sorry, Wes. Do you have anything to say on Silence? No, just check our episode out. I, I, it's been one of our best episodes this year, I feel. It was a really, really good episode. We had a lot of fun with that. Uh, the audience seems to enjoy it, as we've had a high number of downloads with it so far. And uh, I just love the movie, yeah. So if you want to hear more of my thoughts, then just you can listen to a full episode from Real Talk on Silence of the Lambs. All right, guys, my first two picks, Jurassic Park and Silence of the Lambs, I'm really going to turn my draft on its head with this pick here. But I'm going to comedy, and I'm going to one of my favorite comedies of all times, Dumb and Dumber. Like, so I, I, I super pivoted two really good movies. Then you got Dumb and Dumber with, I, I mean, honestly, as a kid, it's most, it's very quotable. You know, you got the, are those, are those, uh, are those your skis, both of them? <laughs> you know you've got so you got you got um how'd you get that i uh, sold some stuff sack of marbles baseball cards Petey. Petey didn't even have a head harry i took care of it you've got so many like quotable moments you <laughs> you've got so many quotable lines swami swimmy samsonite i was way off i can just do this all night but um you know, as a kid, I watched it the most. I remember watching this with my dad. I remember me, dad, and Eric cracking up. There are so many great comedies in this, and it probably is dumb or dumber that I'm picking this as my comedy. But honestly, it's the most treasured movie of the 90s, and I'll end it with this. We landed on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> I, Gabe, I didn't expect that. Uh, actually, I had you picked for a, a different comedy that you've actually already talked about tonight. Uh, that's what I thought you might be going with, but uh, I love Dumb and Dumber. It was not on my draft list, uh, not because I don't love the movie. I think it's it's freaking hilarious, and I'm sure our audience loves it as well. Um, but I think there's a few that I could see the audience liking a little bit more is why I didn't go with Dumb and Dumber. But, man, I it, it is really funny. Back when the Farley brothers were, were actually, they were funny then. Now yeah. I don't know what the heck they're doing. <laughs> Well, they used all their, their their brain power to make like three really great films in a row, and then they're done. Then they're done. But you know, that that's such a great pick, Gabe. I did not see that one coming. But honestly, like that is probably the defining '90s comedy. You know, we talked about this. There's not a lot of great 1990s just pure comedies. There's a lot of trash, you know, just not very funny movies, and they really don't hold up now if they weren't funny then. But Dumb and Dumber is one that still holds up. It was a huge hit. And it's one of those, it's kind of like Shawshank also, where it just it, it just keeps replaying on cable for so many years. And now a whole new generation has discovered it. So I, I don't think you could have done any better from a comedy perspective with that pick. So Wes, I think you're up, right? 
I'm up, and I I'm I cannot believe this movie is still available. Uh, I think that as like I said, you could probably argue that Goodfellas is the number one movie of the decade. Here Silence of the that. Lambs could be considered the number two movie, or this film I think is could be considered the number two movie of the decade, and that's 1994 again, Pulp Fiction. So I'm going to go with Pulp Fiction is my pick. We have not covered Pulp Fiction yet. I'm sure we'll eventually get to it. I do want to shout our friends out at Nerd, Nerd Cage Live who had us come on and do a Pulp Fiction watch party. First time we were ever invited to do something like that. It was actually a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be, to tell you the truth. I really enjoyed myself. This is Quentin Tarantino's masterpiece. He has another movie from the 90s that who knows might get might get picked tonight that's also considered uh, – uh, very prestigious, one of the best films of the 90s. But uh, again, I think Pulp Fiction is his masterpiece. It, it is it's funny. It was a huge hit. I remember when it came out, you know, we brought up the movie stores earlier today. I can remember how many copies of Pulp Fiction there were on the movie shelves. I mean, it took up an entire wall. And I don't know what it is about that poster. It's kind of simple with Uma Therma laying there how she is with the interesting haircut, smoking the cigarette. But that poster is just iconic. And I can remember as you exited the movie store in Franklin, Kentucky, Movies and More, which is, of course, no longer there. They had six movie posters, three on each side of a walkway as you're going out the door. And I can remember the coming soon and seeing that Pulp Fiction again. I'm a kid. I don't I'm 12 years old. I don't wouldn't have understood the movie then if I watched it anyway. But something about that poster always stuck out. And I always remembered seeing and hearing about Pulp Fiction. Again, I'm guys, I'm really excited with my start here. Uh, I know Pulp Fiction is beloved by so many uh, cinephiles. So uh, anyway, that's that's all I have. And I'm going to put it under the, the crime noir, which is also the action section, since you guys have taken the best two action movies uh, of the decade. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really uh, strange that Pulp Fiction lasted that long, in all honesty. Uh, because, I mean, I could have foreseen that movie being the number one pick in a lot of ways from the 90s. It's not one of, it's not my favorite, but it is definitely great. I mean, there's a scene in there with his with Bruce Willis's girlfriend that is truly one of the worst scenes I've ever seen in movie history. Uh, you know, we talked about that quite a bit in our episode with Nerd Cage. But if you wa- rewatch it, you'll see, yeah, that, that episode really does, or that scene really does suck. But... Yeah, I mean, if you hadn't picked that right then, Wes, I would have. Um, I mean, that that is just such a great movie, such an iconic 90s movie. I don't know if you could argue that is the iconic 90s movie. I mean, either that or T2 or Jurassic Park. I mean, I think Pulp Fiction is right there in that top three for just what do you think of with 90s cinema. And I see Wes is really trying to uh, fit in here. His uh, Wes is really going the, like, the mini, like, kind of small budget uh great films i guess you want to yeah call he's, he's, making a, he's making a strange play you know i'm making a, a purist play he's making a strange he's making but it's a real west play i'm i'm not i'm not discounting him i've always i love pulp fiction and in my recent rewatch as a movie critic and and lover i do think pulp fiction is the better movie but for some am i crazy for some reason i've always liked reservoir dogs better i don't know am i the only one no, no. Reservoir Dogs is very well loved. I, I don't like it quite as much because, again, it pretty much all takes place in the in the one setting, and sometimes that on on rewatches of it, 
it sometimes can drag a little bit. You know, you find yourself looking at your phone a little bit more. Uh, Pulp Fiction, of course, has the very long extended scenes, but you get a bunch of different settings throughout. Uh, I think it's that ball gag guy that really gets me away from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> that ball gag guy just scares me. Yeah, the, the gimp. That, that is a very strange, I agree. That's a very strange scene for sure. Um, so, well, all right, well. I mean, I have no idea what's going to be left for me because you now got two picks in a row, uh, and there's some, obviously some amazing movies out there. Some of my all-time favorites are out there, which I'd love to get. Go out there. Good. So I, I have well, no clue what I'm going to have left. This is a good point. Yeah, the, the, we've picked – I feel like we, we've kind of hit the block where we've all hit, picked some of the big ones for sure. There's still some great ones left, and I've got to decide what, what we're going to pick here. Um, after this one, uh, we'll all each have three, and we'll do a quick – rundown of where we're at so i've i just do not know what to pick i can't decide because i feel like some of my favorites have already been picked but i think i'm like i I was gonna say i could buy you a little bit of time and just update everybody real quick while you're while you're doing that so gabe under his comedy he's got dumb and dumber he's got silence of the lambs under his uh, horror he's got jurassic park under blockbuster T-Man so far has got Terminator 2 and The Matrix. He's got, the, of course, the action in the blockbuster section gone. And then I went with Goodfellas and Drama, Pulp Fiction in My Crime and Noir. And I and I didn't know where else to put Shawshank, so I had to throw it in my wild card, which I hate I burnt, burnt that so soon. Yeah, we've all got, I mean, we're all doing really good. And that's the, I mean, that's the greatness of the 90s. I mean, we're still... We've just hit the tip of, of how many great films there are. So I think I've got to go with one of the great films of all time. And, of course, my favorite film director of all time in Spielberg. And we're going to go Schindler's List in uh, drama musical. Yeah. Nice. So I, mean, I think this is one of the other great films still remaining. Of course, it's top 10 in the AFI top 100 list, the highest of any modern film. I mean, it, it, it kind of... You know, there's so many there's so many things that have been said about Schindler's List, and you could say about Schindler's List. It's not only a great movie in the sense that you can just watch down and the the cinematic technique. It truly is Spielberg at the height of his powers, but it's also an important film, and not many movies can say that. The importance of just highlighting the Holocaust in a new way for a new audience in a way that that a lot of people were exposed to. You know, Holocaust movies were not as not a popular genre of just like let's go in and spend a night talk you know watching a holocaust movie but schindler's list with just his artistry and just spielberg's name attached and the greatness of the film it was a huge hit it made over 300 million at the worldwide box which is mind-blowing and that shined a new light on the horrors of the holocaust of course spielberg started his foundation after that to highlight people's experiences with the holocaust which is truly amazing work there and just you know just watching it like i said the cinematic technique is is at the top of any you could put that movie up there and this is how greatness you know this is how great of a filmmaker he is and the black and white cinematography still holds up i really love that film so what are you guys thoughts on that yeah i love the pick it's been many years since i've i've seen schindler's list but uh, i've seen a different uh, movie documentaries I, I, i watched a spielberg documentary and it popped up on another documentary that i was watching and uh, of course spielberg being jewish um which is another i think uh, just with his religious beliefs 
and that of course the Jews were were the um, came under fire the most during World War II. Uh, he just it was a passion project for him. He treated it as such. You can tell that he wanted everything to be just perfect with that movie. It's very moving. Um, because it, it was real, you know, it really happened. And uh, I can remember my grandmother, who does not watch movies, does not care anything about movies, never has. Uh, but she had, we've had people in our family that's that fought in World War II, and she's very much into history. And I can remember us when the movie came out it, back in 1993. We were on a trip, and uh, my grandmother was actually pushing for the whole family to go see Schindler's List together, even though we had you know, a, an, a 12 year old and an 11 year old, uh, kids there. She wanted us to see it so we could understand the horribleness that was the Holocaust. Uh, so I think it's a great pick team. And that was actually next on my list. I, I, I didn't think it was going to get back to me with two of your picks, but, uh, yeah, I, I love the pick. It's a fantastic film. Um, I've always been fascinated with history in that time and that human i mean that human horribleness I, I i almost can't fathom that it actually existed um it's a hard time even for like people that love history and i you know i remember reading about anne frank and stuff in in high school and then i watched that movie and you can't believe that that section of time existed but you can tell that spielberg like it's a movie i've only seen twice and i, I don't know if i'll watch it again i mean i'm sure i will but it's a good pick yeah, and it's and it's amazing about that with Spielberg that he was actually editing Jurassic Park on the set of Schindler's List. Which I know we've always talked about that transition. Like, how do you go from dinos <laughs> eating guys on toilets to Schindler's List? I don't know. It's amazing. And you know, Schindler's List. Last thing I'll say it's it's one of those movies that it's considered a very important movie, but it doesn't feel that way. You know, it, it still feels like not fun cinema but it's it just has so much cinema technique and it's one of those movies that really hit the sidekicks you know seinfeld has that great episode around schindler's list about um you can't i think what it was you can't talk during schindler's list or something there's a really funny episode around that. <laughs> yeah I so, know exactly uh so anyway that yeah that that was good so now i've got a, a real decision to make here and i'm trying to i don't know which way to go but I think I got to go with my heart and, and what, what movie do I like the most in this pick? So in the horror sci-fi thriller genre, I'm going to go with scream and I'm going to go with, I think this is the last great horror. Uh, you know, one of the great horror movies, just pure horror movies of our lifetimes. I know we did a f super fun episode on it and I love talking about it. You know, like I said, I had the, the voice modulator when I came on the episode here. Um, <laughs> you know, we just love this movie. I think it's a movie that really hits home for people who love movies. That's, well, that's what I've always gotten about Scream is it's not only just a fun movie, like, but if you tr love movies, it makes it even more fun because it's, it's really just all about movies. That's, that's the whole plot about it. You got characters that obsessively talk about movies. That's what they're doing on their daily basis. It's a lot like us. And even the sequels are pretty fun. And somehow they're even doing another one. I can't even imagine how they're doing another one. But that's the one that was like, uh, if I didn't get Sounds of the Lambs, that's the horror movie that I really wanted to get. I mean, just so you to give you an insight into what Real Talk talks about when they're not on Real Talk, me and Wes drove up to Louisville recently. And I was talking with Wes about this movie. I was like, 
You know, the reason I like the Fear Street 1984s and the, or 1994s and stuff mm-hmm. is because I think Scream was the last great slasher that really came out. And we were talking about, like, why slashers don't come out anymore. But you're right, Tommy. I mean, this is, like, that's the kind of conversations we have. And we were like, why don't they make these big budget slashers? They should be huge. You know, so, Halloween was huge. Right. And, so, Gabe, you're basically saying that we basically do exactly what we're doing now, but just in our regular lives. Just in our regular lives. Me and Morris <laughs> had an episode <laughs> We're, we basically, audience out there, we basically, this is just us all the time throughout the day. So we just like sit down and record for two hours. Like, and then we'll just keep on. That's yeah, really and Wes not was that like, Strangers really isn't, was, was a slasher. And I was like, Strangers isn't really a slasher. And then we got, went back and forth for a long time. But anyway, Scream changed my life. I, I, and I fell in love with it. And I know you two both thought I'd pick it. And it's a fabulous pick. So I have nothing else to say. Great pick, team, man. I love Scream. Uh, another episode. We we last October we had Jay of the Dead, Jason Piles. He came on and we talked to we talked Scream and talked about how much fun the movie is. We talked about, like Gabe said, how it revitalized horror from the debacle of horror that was the late '80s and early '90s, and it really got us. Uh, it it bridged us for a few years before horror started going back downhill again. Um, but yes, yeah, Scream, great pick. Uh, I don't know how these characters have made it through four movies where a killer tries to stab them and gets close to them and hurts them and stabs them and does all kinds of stuff. But here we are. We got the main three characters coming back for Scream 5. I'm so, surely they've got some like post-traumatic stress at this point in their lives. I'm, go- <laughs> well, I'm going to the theater. Can Who's coming with me? Oh, we'll go see Scream 5. Team in and I went to go see Scream 4. Yeah, and- that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan of that uh, one. Uh, well, yeah, that was a, I regret that. But yeah, we'll definitely go for the next one for sure. I am going to get my number four pick here in. And I'm just so excited that this movie fell to me. I really didn't think it was going to. I think it is. Uh, I like it better then silence of the lambs for the you know horror thriller aspect it's also a crime and a war film so it could fall within that as well but t-man you know what i'm picking here right uh, we're going sure. with 1995 mm-hmm. uh what i think is david fincher's best film in seven the brad pitt morgan freeman uh, vehicle uh you've got a uh, pre everyone hating him uh kevin spacey who is actually a good actor, but uh, he's also a piece of trash at the same time. Uh, But anyway, I I love this movie so incredibly much. It is in the top five movies for me all time. Uh, I just love the grittiness of it. I just love that uh, you have the serial killer who is, is killing people based on the seven deadly sins. And the way that they wrap it up with the what's in the box and then all the seven deadly uh, sins come together. Uh, This is a movie that it's not what I would normally think of like a horror film, but so many people call it like a horror thriller. And that's kind of odd for detectives. And I really think that's kind of where your saws and, and stuff like that come from is from seven and the way that they they did the movie. And I don't think anyone can forget and my mom actually watched this movie who, again, this is not the type of movie for my mom. And the scene where they, they bust in to the guy's house that they're looking for. And you have all of the, 
car air fresheners hanging from the ceiling and you see this corpse laying in the bed that's got its hand sawed off and then that corpse it's not a corpse it wakes up and the guy has been strapped to his bed for the past year that just haunted my mom so there's a lot of horror aspects in it so i'm gonna drop this one into my horror sci-fi thriller and that is seven yeah with i you know i had a hard time i, I think there's three great horror thrillers whatever you want to call it in the 90s there's sons and lambs scream seven and i was debating between scream and seven on that i had to go with what i liked a little bit better but yeah seven is just such a phenomenal movie it, it you know the the technique behind it the acting it, it's another one of those movies that i've rewatched over the pandemic and it, it holds up so well yeah what's uh, in the box what's in the box i what's love the movie the um uh, guys, if you don't know what's in the box, you'll have to watch the movie to find out. It made me like, I, I feel like it's almost the same feel as Zodiac, which I almost like as much, which is just like a weird thing that I have. But uh, Seven is obviously the better movie. But no, great pick. Just a little bit shocked that you didn't go with your man and pick Six Sense, Wes. What happened there? David Fincher is my man more than M. Night Shyamalan. Wes realized, like yeah, that M. Night sucks. sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's what he realized he's like he's like oh wait a minute uh do i really want to pick an m night movie and he could hear all the fans out there being like boo don't do it i so thought I that's I, what happened i mean he really went against him, himself there all right guys since i've got two picks in a row i can kind of be willy-nilly here first i'm gonna pick probably i'm gonna go with my wild card and this is probably stupid in the draft but oh well but I, I don't know where else it falls. It's probably my favorite movie of the 90s. I'm, of course, I'm talking about Timmy B's Edward Scissorhands. It made me fall in love with Tim Burton. The thing I like about Tim Burton the most, and I've really liked all of his films until like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and a couple other ones. But I mean, I'm I'm a fan of like Big Fish and and I even like Sweeney Todd. And, you know, obviously I love Batman Returns and everything. But in my opinion, his best purest film that's Tim Burton is Edward Scissorhands. And I've probably seen the movie 13, 14 times. It's not like an, you know, like a Jurassic Park where you can watch it every month, but it hits home the most with me because it's about a guy who has scissors for hands and he wouldn't think that's very in depth, but he like, he's weird, but, but society really likes him and he's embraced for his differences and they like kind of go together and there's this love, love interest throughout the whole movie. And it, the movie like, doesn't make sense, but 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 at the end, you're like, man, I absolutely love that movie every single time. And the thing I like about Tim Burton the most, and this is what nobody has ever argued with me, is he takes you – there's a lot of directors, and a lot of directors produce great films, but Tim Burton takes you to a completely different world in his films. Like, you feel like you are transported sitting in a theater seat to a different world, and this was the first film that I felt like did it, and it happened in the 1990s, and so this is my pick for Wild Card. Yeah, Gabe. I mean, you had to get a Tim Burton movie in here, whichever one it was going to be. And that's, I mean, that is arguably, you could say this is his best movie. I think it's, it's definitely up there. I love this movie so much. It has one of the best musical scores of all time. Great Johnny Depp performance before he became a full-time, uh, you know, Jack Sparrow impersonator. It, you know, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> um, and you know, it, it's just so Tim Burton. Like this is the Tim Burton that we fell in love with. Audiences love this. You know, he had the great successes with Beetlejuice and Batman, but this is the movie I think people got the full Tim Burton experience. So I love the pig Gabe. I think you knocked it out of the park there. Our local Best Buy, well, I guess all Best Buys, they just recently stopped carrying, you know, movies. 
you know, that they don't carry them really anymore, except for maybe just a very few of the absolute brand new releases and they just don't carry much. But, um, right before they demolished that section and put up a bunch of other stuff we don't care about, I saw Edward Scissorhands on Blu-ray and I had the movie on DVD, but it had been so many years since I'd seen it. And I was like, it's time for an upgrade. This, I mean, it's like six or seven bucks for the Blu-ray of Edward Scissorhands. Brought it home, had it watched within two or three days. Love this movie. My favorite Tim Burton is definitely going to be 89's Batman, but this is right in behind it. Like, I, I, of course, I actually think I like Sleepy Hollow as well a little bit better than uh, Edward Scissorhands, but it's in my my number two pick, uh, Tim Burton. So great pick, Gabe. Love this movie. I do love how, Gabe, how you started off your review by saying, you know, the movie is about people embracing people's differences and he becomes popular. But it's also like it does the reverse to end the movie. It's like when the differences, when it gets a little bit too different or something that happens that makes you realize, wow, we really are different, then people turn on one another. And that's that's what I got out of the movie this last time that I watched it, and I thought that was an interesting commentary. Fantastic point. Couldn't agree more. I'm moving on to my next one, and this seems like cheating, but I knew you guys wouldn't pick it. And I debated picking something, you know, for the audience that maybe could help me propel me to a win. But if I lose, I lose. Who cares? I'm being I'm being myself on this episode. So for I'm going to go to the drama section and I'm going to pick my all time favorite movie. And this sounds stupid. Like it sounds stupid that this is my all time favorite movie, even when I say it. But it, it's the truth. So I'm going to pick Braveheart directed by Mel Gibson. Yes, you can make fun of it. Yes, there's a sword swinging scene where people aren't really even hitting swords in it. Um, and I've heard all of the comments on how is this your favorite film? You review films like I've heard all of it, guys. So don't don't hit me with it. But let me tell you why I love this movie. I was watching it. I remember when I had a tube TV in my room and I'd never sat through a drama because at that age, you're really not interested in dramas. And I and this movie, because it had war in it, I was obsessed with history. I sat through this drama and at the very end of the movie, when he's getting tortured, I just remember I was sitting there bawling my eyes out, and that never happened in a movie. I was actually worried. I was like, man, is something wrong with me? I'm crying at this film. And I've watched it over and over again, and the score is phenomenal. The direction, I, I think, is phenomenal. The love story is phenomenal. It's a little bit long, but I mean, but it's historically correct. So I, I think it's a great film. I think Mel Gibson knocked, knocked it out of the park. It won Best Picture, so you can, you know— as much as people could like argue with me, I, I just think it's epitome of the 90s drama, and uh, I wanted to pick it here. I love Braveheart. been a while since I, I've seen that one. I went through a phase where I watched it um, a bunch within probably a matter of a couple of years. I don't know how many times I watched it, maybe four or five times, but I just every time I watched it, I just got something new out of the movie. And, uh, yeah, this is this is really good. It was one of those movies that really has a a difficulty with the with the genre because it is it's got a lot of action in it. It's such a melodramatic action film. It has a lot of drama in the movie, too. So I even looked to try to find its uh, genre designation before we even started drafting movies. And I had to go through two or three sites. I had to go through three sites. Like an American film. That's what they call it. And it's because I think, you know, it's a it's a big romance <laughs> film. It's a big drama film. 
It's got a bunch of action. It's a historical, like there's so many elements to Braveheart. But yeah, it's a great movie. I, I, I really love it. And I left off my main piece. It has the best charge fight scene speech of all time. It's played at every hockey game, at every basketball game. For sure. Many years from now, dying in every. the bed, you give everything to, yeah. you know, it's just so quotable and iconic. Yeah, you can't go to a sports game and not see that speech. And, and Gabe, honestly, I agree with what you're saying. I think Braveheart, it, it's, it may not be cool anymore to love that film. And I don't know if that's because Mel Gibson Correct. Um, or whatever it may be. But I, I think it's still a great movie. It won Best Picture. It's one of those movies that I think for our generation, we grew up loving this movie. And we watched it as kind of teenagers. And then we kept watching it. It's got an amazing musical score. I love how Mel Gibson... Um, they were like, you know, when he was on set, I'm pretty sure this is right. They were going up to him and is like, hey, Mel, uh, when you're acting like super crazy, like uh, maybe just tone <laughs> it down a little bit. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. This is just me. Uh, uh, this is not me acting. This is just who I am. And they're like, oh, OK. Uh, but <laughs> but anyway, off of uh, crazy Mel, it, it works like it, it's such a it is a very melodramatic film. But it's still like it kind of harkens back to those old school melodramatic films that we all liked, like Ben Hur, like Spartacus. It's just kind of a 90s version of it with the extreme violence and, and that type of stuff. And I, I, yeah, I think it's a it's an awesome pick game. Like you said, man, that's that's your pick. You had to pick that movie. Yeah. Back Come to on. you, Wes. There, this is my number five pick. I've only got two picks left. And uh, I played a little bit of strategy because Gabe pulled his uh, his comedy out um, a little bit earlier. And T-Man, you still have your comedy open. So I, I've got to go comedy right now. I think personally this is the best comedy. It is the one that the more that I watch it, the more that I love it. And the funnier that I think that it is, I always pick up on something new and then I laugh and, and quote it for a few days afterwards. So I don't know if either one of you guys, well, I know Gabe wasn't going to pick it because he picked Dumb and Dumber, but T-Man, I'm playing Keep Away a little bit. I don't know if you were going to pick this or not, but for my comedy, I'm going to go with the Coen brothers. I'm going to go to 1998. Huh. I'm going to go with a little dude, Mr. Jeff Bridges, and I'm going with the big Lebowski. It was in my running. I, I'm Yeah, I was thinking about it. It was still, I was trying to make between couple different movies can i say what i thought you were gonna pick i thought you were gonna pick wayne's Swerve. i thought you were gonna talk about the sucking cut but you 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 averted that i, I did now wayne's world is on my <laughs> list it is for comedy i had it in case i lost the big lebowski and i've got a couple other movies that i don't want to say because they could go into blockbuster they could go into some other stuff so uh, I don't want to say what else I had. We might can save that for the end. But, uh, yeah, man, The Big Lebowski, again, this is one of those uh, Coen Brothers films that people just – it's just grown in popularity and people realize the brilliance of it. It's kind of like Miller's Crossing where Miller's Crossing wasn't a huge hit when it came out, and now people are like, that dude, that's one of the best mob movies of all time. And it's same with The, the Big Lebowski. I just – uh, I just, I love it. I love the, you know, man, that rug really tied the room together, you know, you <laughs> stuff like that. The he dude, just worried hey. about that the whole time. I just love that character. Just that he, he is such a nineties character. Just the, the, the sloppy dude that's in the, the house coat. You see, I wear a house coat all the time and he just doesn't care about anything, man. He just cares about bowling and, and smoking a little bit of pot 
and just going with the flow. And he just he can't go with the flow during this time of his life because all this craziness just keeps getting getting dumped on him. But uh, yeah, I, I had to go Big Lebowski here. I'm really pleased that I was able to score this one this late um, because team and you and I talked about it. We don't feel like the 90s is was the best decade for comedy. You've got some some really solid ones, I think, maybe five to seven that that I really, really like, but uh, not the best decade for comedies. And in my opinion, I think this one is the one that stood the test of time as the best. Definitely. Yeah, this was definitely it was one of these. I was definitely wanting this one for sure, Wes, whether it was in comedy or wildcard, because it is just a, a classic. And it's one of those movies that it's very strange because it went from a box office disappointment to a cult classic to now just a classic super popular beloved film like people love this movie and for good reason it is yeah. not only hilarious it's got so many great lines like you said i mean you got the dude abides you've got uh you know john goodman Donnie. yeah you got Donnie. you got john goodman you know what is his character doing i love his character so oh, much well. you're out of your element Donnie. yes <laughs> amazing while you were talking about Walter, the scene where they're driving to drop the brief briefcase off and Walter just ruins, just causes the biggest disaster yes. where oh, they've got to roll out of the car and they lose the briefcase. Uh, it's just it's so funny. So so you guys like I haven't read any of my notes, but like I will read my note on this just because it's it's critical to the to the pick. Like I had Dumb and Dumber and Wayne's World as the movies I laughed the most frequently at. So there was from pick one and two, but my pick three was the big Lebowski because, and I wrote down next to it in case I had to pivot to it. It's the movie that had the thing that I laughed the hardest at. And the thing that I laughed the hardest at is they, they're going on this journey the whole time. And they finally get to the sea to dump this guy's ashes and he goes to dump the ashes and they just blow right yes. back. On. <laughs> Amazing. He's like, it's, you mess like everything life- up. It's like the life aquatic when they're like trying to find him and he gets shot right before they find him. Like, I don't know why that crap's funny to me, but like, I just fell out of my seat laughing in that, the big Lebowski. So yeah, yeah I've, I've been trying to debate where I'm going with these final two. So this one right here in comedy, you guys, uh, I've been looking at this one. It was between big Lebowski and this one. I've looked it up. Um, cause I, there, I was not sure under IMDB, it is considered an animation adventure comedy. so uh, maybe aladdin or maybe something else so i'm actually going with toy story Ah, whoa yeah it was between aladdin or toy story and i was like you know what toy story is is the iconic animation movie of the 90s i mean it is such an amazing movie not only just for what it is as a movie but what it hearkened what it created what it revolutionized i guess you could say and that franchise is still going on they've done they just did toy story 4 a couple of years ago and i rewatched toy story because i wasn't sure how much it would hold up i was like is it will it hold up and it does i mean it is hilarious the animation is still good and the the voice performances by tom hanks and you know home depot guy is it home depot guy uh, <laughs> home improvement guy. Home improvement. Uh, uh, home Tim Allen. I was like, Bob. Home Depot. <laughs> I was the like, Home Depot guy. Well, I he's great. Yeah. I didn't hear you say Depot. Tim Allen. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many great scenes. You got the army guys. You got the scene where uh, you've got the the mutated uh, 
toys next door. You got the chases and it's got a lot of heart also. That's the thing about Pixar that we forget now because I don't think Pixar is as good as it used to be. Gabe and I talked about this a couple episodes ago, but when Pixar was good, there's nobody better. Let me say this on your note. Like never, ever has an animated series made a not only trilogy, quadrilogy or whatever it would be hearkened as. And that's better because all four of them are phenomenal. Toy Story 2, Toy Story 3, Toy Story 4. I didn't even know we needed it. All of them are phenomenal. And like, so that is when Pixar was in its prime and touche for that pick because it did create a whole new animated wave. It's kind of like Scream, except except Scream didn't create anything. It just revitalized the slasher. But this, like, actually created something. Toy Story, one of those animated films that I I love the the 90s animated films. Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, Aladdin, Toy Story, Toy Story 2. Just such a great decade for for animated films. Uh, I've got my son. He's two and a half. Been showing him... Uh, the Toy Story films. He loves Buzz Lightyear. He has a shirt of Buzz Lightyear. Uh, he has a toothbrush of Buzz Lightyear. So uh, it's just it. Like you guys said, it stood the test of time. It's you can watch it anytime. Like it's just it's always good. There's a comfort with these particular characters. It's amazing that it it's it's gone for nearly twenty years. Uh, sequels and they're all good. And some even every argue- one of them. That Toy Story 3 is the best. I've heard a lot of arguments that Toy Story 2 is the best. A lot of arguments Toy Story is the best. So whenever you can get that type of argument about which of the first three films is the best overall, you know you're dealing with a a massive series, a massive franchise. All right. So I guess I'm down to my final pick, and I'm having some major issues trying to decide what to pick because there are like so many great films left, and I don't know what to do. Because I, I, I truly can't decide, guys. And uh, let me ask you this. Can I pick multiple films? <laughs> um, you can in the next two rounds. All right, I'll, all right. I've got some other rounds. We're doing some late rounds. Excellent. <laughs> Bonus excellent. rounds. I like the way you think, man. This uh, is our starting lineup, right? We're doing a bench after this? Yeah, we'll do a bench. I think we're doing 10 other rounds. So <laughs> audiences, uh, yeah, just sit down. And <laughs> we've got three more hours of us talking. <laughs> I know everybody's excited. Man, this is just so hard. Um, I think I'm going to have to go. So I've got wild card left. And I think for my final pick, I've got to go Saving Private Ryan. I didn't know which one to pick. I had several dramas left. But I had to just decide which one do I love the most. And I think it's this one, honestly. I know I've got two Spielberg movies on my list, but that's really not that surprising, honestly. And I think, you know, we've talked about this movie before on another podcast. And it's just one of the great dramas, one of the great World War II movies, one of the great war movies, I guess you could say, of, of you know, of all time. Kind of like what we talked about with Schindler's List and Toy Story. Same time Ryan changed how movies are made. That first 20 minutes, there is so basically it's kind of like this, it's kind of like The Matrix, too. There was movies before Saving Private Ryan and then after. And that beach scene changed how war movies were made so dramatically. You can see the difference. All war movies afterwards looked like that opening scene Black Hawk Down, Band of Brothers, The Pacific. You could just watch a war movie now, 
it's it's shot just like that opening scene, which is just a testament to that movie. And then the rest of the movie is still really great. It's you know it's a drama. It you know you got great characters. Matt Damon is one of his first big movies. You got one of the best Tom Hanks performances, in my opinion. Um, very underrated. You have got Vin Diesel before he became a huge pop star. So you know you've just got so many things in that movie that I love and cherish, and and it's just such a patriotic film. I think we don't get political on this show, but I think it's it's easy to say a lot of it. Movies aren't very patriotic anymore. I don't think that's controversial to say, really. And this movie is. It, it honors a generation that the greatest generation is called. It opens and ends with an American flag. And that I kind of like that. You know, some could call it cheesy, but I don't care. I, I really like that aspect of the movie. Talked about Saving Private Ryan back when we did our 90s blockbusters, and this was on my list. If I'm recalling correctly, Gabe wasn't a huge fan of the movie after the initial uh, I mean, D-Day stuff. That is my actual opinion. I was thinking about it while T-Man was talking. The D-Day stuff is phenomenal, but the rest of the movie, I, I it's an unpopular opinion, and I have very few of them, but I just didn't love the rest of the, the movie. Well, no, I, I enjoy I enjoy the, the whole movie. I love how it ends, you know, at the cemetery where uh, Tom Hanks' character is just is just thinking back. Here Here's how you know that the, that the film was made with the, utmost authenticity and realism is that they showed the film to a group of very notable world war ii heroes back when the film came out in 1998 after the d-day scene the uh, several of them just got up and left because they just couldn't take anymore it was just said it was so realistic it's exactly how it was and again it just shows you the craft of spielberg to be able to to shoot that opening and make it so realistic. And you want to talk about a movie where you don't say anything? You don't say anything for the first 20 minutes or so of Saving Private Ryan. Because you feel... It's, it's the feeling as close as, as we'll probably ever get to a battlefield. Nice. Well, I'm done, guys. I'm out. This is tough, T-Man. I understand how you feel. You You get... Like, I'm really pleased with my list so far. There are so many great movies that are left. Obviously, we're talking about the 90s. We only had six spots. I think I'm going to disappoint T-Man with this pick quite a bit. Uh, he is literally the only human that I have ever talked to that does not like this movie. I was actually surprised to see how high it was on with the IMDb rating. I did not realize that it was this uh, beloved it has always been beloved to me ever since it debuted in 1999 i'm gonna go with another david fincher film t-man you're doubling up on spielberg i'm gonna double up on david fincher and i'm going with the movie where you're not supposed to talk about it that's the first first rule do oh. not talk about fight club now this one was close blockbuster a hundred million this one made a hundred and one million it was actually a box office disappointment because i think the budget was in the 60 something million so it didn't even make back double which you really want to make back triple your budget i love fight club edward norton and brad pitt this seven and and fight club back to back what a one-two punch for brad pitt and for david fincher uh again these two movies launched brad pitt into superstardom what a great movie the movie has it's got such interesting direction it's got that uh, kind of shock ending. I love the Pixie song, which is just so perfect as 
you know, they're 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 watching uh, Project Mayhem's work uh, take place. So I, I think, although T Man is 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 giving me death stares, I think the audience is gonna like that I that I threw this in here. It was between this and it doesn't even matter at this particular time because Gabe can pick whatever he wants with the last pick. I was really down to for my um, blockbuster. I was down to maybe Forrest Gump or Lion King or Fight Club. Uh, I even thought about Heat in there as well in Casino. Those were a few that I'd kind of thought about. Those were on my list, but uh, I'm going to go with Fight Club. All right, I got to jump in here, Wes. First off, how do you pick a movie in Blockbuster that bombed? Fight Club (laughs) literally bombed. It it lost money, and Wes is picking it in Blockbuster. There's some shenanigans. There's some shenanigans going that on. That is with this some list. shenanigans. Did it make a hundred million? hundred one million. Yeah. hundred one million. What, it, what was it budgets though? Like sixty five. Oh, that is awful. Yeah. You know, I, you got to <laughs> let's leave it to Wes. Honestly, I thought he was going to throw seven in his blockbuster category, but instead he picks. It's Mike What? What? <laughs> That's so true, Gabe. Seven, huge hit. Uh, no, I'm going Fight Club. Huge bomb. I uh, got many people fired. Got lost the studio. I think I read this like fifty million dollars. But it, it does have its fan. It's definitely a cult classic. I definitely think you'll have your fans out there that like it. It's never been one of my favorite movies, but I know it does uh, definitely have a fervent fan base. Let me let me say this. I did enjoy the twist. I this is another movie. I was at my friend John Bryan's. I remember exactly where I was when I watched it, um, because it was that impactful on me. Do I think it holds up? No, but do I think it's a good movie? Yeah, I do think it's. I mean, it's a good movie, not a great movie. All right. So, Gabe, last pick. Gosh, I'm torn on this one. So let me tell you guys what I wanted to do, and let me tell you guys what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pick with my with my actual what I would have picked. So it was down to action, crime, neo-noir. And I wanted to pick one that was all of them. I almost picked Point Break because it was literally all of them. And that would be fun to talk about. But I went with my heart on Braveheart, so I'm going to go with my heart here. And I'm picking Reservoir Dogs, like Wes pretty much knew that I was going to pick. But, I mean, if we're being honest, for a long time it was my second favorite movie. It, I mean, it's just a really good movie. You. It was the first movie where I noticed cutscenes, and, like, the cutscenes were really good. I love how, like, the movie starts at, at, like, the guy's shot in the car, and then it, and you're like, crap, what has happened to these people? And then it cuts back, and it cuts back, and it cuts back, and I had, I think Momento was the first one that I saw like this, and this was the second one, but I thought the dialogue was so genius all the way through. And for a long period of time, it was like my second favorite movie. Yeah, it's shot in one spot, but I can, I've sat down, I don't know, in the last year and watched it. And it was no problem. I love that Mr. Pink doesn't tip. I love, I love the something super show. I forget what it's called. Um, the radio show that he calls in on, but the music stuck in the middle with you. You guys know it. Anyway, the movie's fantastic uh, from start to finish. Yeah, that's my action crime. Every time that uh, I go back to watch a Tarantino film, I always wind up going with Pulp Fiction over Reservoir Dogs. And I cannot remember the last time I've watched Reservoir Dogs. It's it's time for a rewatch of it. Uh, of course, I always think about the cut ear with the gasoline scene. That's like uh, the scene that is just branded into your into your mind. But it's it's a great film. It's a very popular film. I think the audience will uh, will really like that. 
Um, but again, that it's just for me when I when I want to go back and watch early Tarantino, that's what I always wind up seeing instead. So I'm going to get Reservoir Dogs on my on my watch list coming up and and uh, revisit it. Yeah, Gabe, and, and that's the movie. That's the type of movie that doesn't happen very often, but it's it's like a an explosion because right off the bat, you know, this is a filmmaker that is totally new. I haven't heard this type of dialogue before. I haven't seen these type of characters before. What is this? And that's what <laughs> Reservoir Dogs is. And it introduced Tarantino to the world. And obviously he's been in, you know, in Hollywood and been one of the top directors for the past 30 years. But it all started with Reservoir Dogs. And you saw all of his skills, all of his things he loves to do right there. He was literally just created, set in motion. He didn't like, you know, some film works, it takes like five movies to get his feet under him and to get his dialogue set and i know he had worked on some screenplays before but he came naturally fully formed with reservoir dogs which is amazing only the greats honestly only the greatest filmmakers can do that and he did it and and that pick game is definitely um i love the pick because it's a 90s movie It, it just feels so 90s ish some of these movies that we've picked don't feel like that at all but this one does and I think that's a great way to cap the, the let, draft. Let me tell you how I decided on it, because it's kind of funny. There was a when I discovered this film, like immediately after, I, like I just said, I watched Memento. And then there, like later on in life, I watched Prestige. But I also watched that same year. I watched Boondock Saints. And I just became obsessed with these movies that have these time lapses in them. And I was like, and I think they're so brilliant. So when I went back through and I've watched a bunch of them, yeah, Prestige is probably my favorite, so it doesn't fall in this time period. But my second favorite is Reservoir Dogs. And so if I don't put that in my list, then I'm lying to the audience. And and Reservoir Dogs, I think, is right up there with Prestige on how it does the time lapse. So, you, yeah, like you said, you can see his genius, Tarantino's genius in this film. Yeah, I think that's a great way to end the draft because we're right there guys and gabe since you were just talking about reservoir dogs let's just go through our order and let the audience know what your team looks like and why they should vote for you my blockbuster is jurassic park my drama is braveheart my action crime neo-noir is reservoir dogs my comedy is dumb and dumber my horror um thriller is silence of the lambs and my wild card is edward scissorhands why you should vote for me is because, I mean, honestly, I'm the most 90s, and those movies will transport you to a different place. And and what better list of six movies could you sit down and watch? All right, Wes. For my drama, I went Goodfellas. For my comedy, I went The Big Lebowski. For action, crime, noir, I went with Pulp Fiction. For my horror, sci-fi, or thriller, I went Seven. For my blockbuster, I went Fight Club. For my wild card, I went... The Shawshank Redemption, and I'm looking at my list, and this is an extremely West list if I've ever seen one. So I'm very, very pleased with it. Um, So I was like, heck yeah. So I think audience members that have the same taste as me will will want to vote for this particular list. And again, I really do feel like I got the absolute best film of the 90s on my list. I also have what. Uh, IMDb reviewers, just regular old Joes, have rated the best film of all time in the Shawshank Redemption. Who are these people? IMDb voters? Those aren't real. We're probably IMDb voters now. We just don't know how to do it. 
<laughs> no, we like anybody that goes and rates the movie, it, it counts it. So okay. the, the one thing before we move move on, team, and I did want to throw this out there because I thought this this was interesting. IMDb's most famous list is the top two fifty. I mean, a lot of people look at that list where it's basically what does everybody, all audience members think are the best 250 films. And so there are 21 of them in the top 100 that are from the 90s. So I want to let you guys know the ones that we left off and see what you just what you think about that. Sorry to take over, team. I just wanted to I thought this would be a little interesting thing to end on. So number 12 was Forrest Gump. And yeah, I was definitely had that on there. Yeah. That was definitely um almost picked it several times. And that was number 12 all time. Um then then we did really well. That was the only one in the in basically almost the top 30 that we didn't get in our list somewhere. But then coming in at 29 is another Tom Hanks film which of course you're going to find tons of great Tom Hanks films yeah. sprinkled throughout the 90s, but The Green Mile Hmm. Green Mile didn't make didn't didn't make it uh, on our list. Thirty one. This one really surprised me, and I didn't realize how beloved it is. It's an action film. Leon the Professional. It is highly rated. That is true. The next one. This was one I was considering in a couple of spots. Uh, the Usual Suspects is was at thirty three. Very good. Another. Uh, that's that's the cool one because you got. Uh, not just one, but two people canceled. You got Brian Singer and Kevin Spacey. So that's a double cancel. <laughs> I do movie. love that Interesting. movie, though. That's I mean, why they're the serious, usual suspects. That's right another there. one of those movies that I really like. Now, T-Man, this one's going to make you mad, but it was the only um, animated film from the 90s that was anywhere near basically the top 200, and it's The Lion King. Yeah. Well, that, that is, this list has lost all credibility. Yeah. <laughs> How do you not have yeah. Toy Story up there? Toy Story is on the list. It oh, just, that's it, right. The ones not, we didn't. Right, not, not as high as Lion King. Lion King was, was uh, rated above Toy Story. And, T-Man, this is really going to hurt. But Aladdin is not even in the 250 period. Oh, this list. What is wrong with this list? What about list? Beauty and the Beast? Uh, Beauty and the Beast, uh, it was not, it's not in the top 250. God, I hate this. Um, Sorry, it's not and just for time's sake, I'll speed up a little bit. But uh, American History X was number 40. American Beauty, the best picture from 1999, was number 80. A, a movie I love so much. Just what a fantastic way for 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 two actors really to bust out and say, "Hey, no, we're filmmakers," and that's Goodwill Hunting. That was another one that that I was, was on I was my list. About. Well, I, I'm glad you did that because I actually did want to ask you guys: Were there any movies, maybe just one or two, that you are like, "How did that not get picked?" And I'll, I'll go first. The one that's off the top of my head, it's Fargo. I, it was so close to picking it. I really wanted to pick it several times. I think it's one of the best, just pure films of the 90s. And looking at my list, I don't know where I could have fit it in, but I'm, I'm, I'm not happy that it's not picked because I do love that film. What about you guys? Do you have one one movie off the top of your head? like, ah, how did that not get picked? Well, you mentioned Fargo, and Fargo is a comedy. It's kind of more of a black comedy, but it really is this quirky comedy throughout. It's also a crime noir film. So I'm glad you said that. It was actually 174 on the list, and you can look. I can send you guys because I kind of – under each category, I list an order of movies that I was thought that I would, I would go by and pick. And Fargo I had is my number two under comedy. 
So, uh, yeah, I, I'm surprised you, especially T-Man. I didn't think Fargo was much of a Gabe movie as more of a of a T-Man movie. I was really surprised you didn't go with Fargo. But to tell you the truth, like the Gabe movies were picked, Scream and Jurassic Park and Edward Scissorhands and Braveheart, like I, all those were picked. T-Man, the only other one that I that I really thought you would probably pick and you didn't was Heat. I, I was really surprised Heat didn't make it on the list. But well, just ran out of spots, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like exactly. you, what you were saying. It's like Heat, honestly, that's funny. You know me well because that last pick, I was deciding between Saving Private Ryan, Fargo, and Heat. The movies that I was shocked, and these are kind of simple, uh, Beauty and the Beast, like I uh, – Honestly, I went back and forth on picking that as my wild card. And uh, Independence Day, I thought that would get picked somewhere in the mess. Point break. I thought that was going to make somebody's list just just for funsies. Nice. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Wes, do you have any others? No, I, I, I think uh, I think we did a fantastic job. I think the I think the people that are looking at these lists are like, how are we supposed to decide between <laughs> right? You know what? And I just realized I never even said my final list. Let me uh, let me sneak that in there before we end. Yeah. So my my drama musical is Schindler's List. Blockbuster is The Matrix. Comedy is Toy Story. Wild Card is Saving Private Ryan. Action is Terminator Two. Then horror is scream and kind of like this list. is a very team in list too i think and this is what i love about this because it really kind of showed all of our different personalities with mine it's kind of a mixture between all these different types of movies it's got blockbusters dramas very eclectic kind of all over the place and that's what the what's great about the 90s it has that feel to it wes has a very west feel to it um <laughs> his kind of picks you know some great movies some you know he picked a, a bomb for blockbuster i don't know what's going on there and then we've got gabe who has a very gabe list really and i like is. gabe's list too because it's very 90s feels very 90s to me so great job guys i think we did an awesome job i'm excited to have the fans look at these lists vote on like you said wes i think they're going to look at it and be like I can't pick between these three. Uh, so I had a blast. I hope we can do this for another decade in the future. Yeah. Any last, last comments on the draft before we end the show today? Fantastic idea. The audience, this was, this was T-Man's brainchild that he brought to the table. And uh, we will uh, definitely hope we come back and do the 80s, 70s. I mean, we, we can keep going with, with these, these draft lists. So I had a lot of fun with this and, uh, Put a lot of work into it as well just because there's just so we're, we're competitive all of us are yeah, we all want to win about movies it just got the best of both world competition and film and uh again we actually didn't have to do anything physical to get it done that, that was good too this is what we like curling but, <laughs> but I, I what i will say is i mean this is the most fun i've had on an episode because i didn't know what you guys were going to pick like i actually want to do the 80s tomorrow like we don't have to do it online. We don't have to do it on air. Let's just do it in we'll our just car, do it, like right? West did on the way to Louisville. I can't wait till we get. Yeah, Gabe, I loved it. I'm uh, so glad you guys had fun too. I hope the fans enjoy it. I can't wait till we get to like the 1920s and we're picking like <laughs> the the silent film Ben Hur. We're like, oh well, that's all not Nosferatu, right? Nosferatu, Ch- uh, Chaplin movies. Uh, <laughs> but awesome guys, fans, thank you so much again. And I'm gonna kick it over to West uh, to wrap it up. Let me get the episode wrapped up here in audience. I want to tell you what's coming up next from our show. We're going to have father and son watch horror movies on the very next episode where we're talking Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which is 
really the like the most recent of the cult classics. This film is in ten years has become like a major cult classic and a staple in society these days. So we can't wait to have Pastor Matt and his son Jackson on the show. So we've got that coming up next, guys. We've got uh, some interviews that are coming up soon. Let me go ahead, since I think this is going to be a popular episode, I want to drop a bomb to everybody and just let you know we're going to be talking with the director of the Blair Witch Project, Mr. Eduardo Sanchez. Guys, no joke. I am ecstatic about getting to talk with him because the Blair Witch Project was on my list today to add for horror, but it is a divisive film, so I didn't want to get any divisive films like Titanic and and Blair Witch Project on my list. I wanted to not rub somebody the wrong way when I'm trying to win a competition. But uh, Blair Witch Project, one of my all-time favorite movies, one of my all-time favorite horror films. I cannot wait to have him on. So those are a couple of things that we've got in the works. As always, we, we hope you enjoyed the episode. We hope you enjoy the stuff that's coming out of Real Talk. A couple of things we're going to ask you to do to support our efforts as always, you want to help us grow our show, subscribe on your favorite platform, and leave us a rating or review on the platform. Those are really the best way you can help us grow. We'd love to hear from you. We've been interacting with listeners more. Listeners have been sending us comments and uh, on Twitter and on Facebook. And seriously, it's my favorite part of podcasting is just hearing how our episodes are impacting you, what you'd like about them calling out different things that people have said. It's just really cool getting to know everybody. So if you want to interact with us, we're on Twitter at real underscore cast. That's R-E-E-L. We're on Facebook, Real Talk, a movie podcast page. We have an Instagram page, which is ran by a friend of the show, Ren Burnett. We have an email address, realtalkmoviecast at gmail.com. And we recently started a Patreon account, which you can just go to the website and search Real Talk, a movie podcast. The last thing that I'll say is we will get on social media. We'll show you how you can vote for the winner. And then at the beginning of our Scott Pilgrim versus the World episode, we will announce just who won the competition. And and we'll go over just a little bit of that before we get into it. So finally, we want to thank artist Matt Holland for designing our podcast logo. And for us, that's a wrap.